You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. so crazy about it's just music love is in the air this valentine's day but some may argue that's nothing but air pollution i'm jim dirigatis and i'm greg cott we give you our favorite anti-love songs and review the latest from singer-songwriter lucinda williams That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and later on in the show, Jim, you and I are going to review the new album from Lucinda Williams. Here's a songwriter that knows a thing or three about writing great anti-love songs. Yeah, I'll say she played us some when she was on the show back in 2013. But first, we've got some music news. Greg, that is a song called Chauffeur Blues, a cover of the Lester Melrose piece from the first Jefferson Airplane album, The Jefferson Airplane Takes Off. We're playing it because those lead vocals come not from Grace Slick, who'd become famous as the airplane's lead singer, but from Signe Tolley Anderson, the first singer in the Jefferson Airplane, was a member of the group on the first album, recorded a lot of songs with them early on, had a baby, left the band, Grace Slick came on board. She died recently at the age of 74 on the same day Mm. as a signature member of the band, another member, Paul Kantner. Yes, Jim, Paul Kantner, even the other members in the group, and this was a group with some big personalities in it, said that Kantner was kind of the, the fulcrum of the group. He was really the ballast in the whole scene. He was the guy in San Francisco that was one of the key leaders of that summer of love renaissance of psychedelic music in that city. And in this band with the big personalities, Marty Ballon, you mentioned Grace Slick. He was kind of the vocalist in between the two, you know, like working out the harmonies between these two great talents. And, you know, it needs to be pointed out, too, that instrumentally, this band was huge. The great guitarist in that band, Jorma Kaukonen, and the bassist in that group, a virtuoso named Jack Cassidy. Here's Kantner you know, kind of holding it together with that rhythm guitar amid all this chaos. So he was a real catalyst for that group. He co-wrote classic songs like Wooden Ships and Volunteers. You know, he anchored the Airplane's third album. He really stepped up as a songwriter, basically wrote the entire After Bathing at Baxter's album in 1967. The group was really prolific for about a three- or four-year period then, and then started splintering off. Kantner, meanwhile, he was a true visionary. You know, he believed in this utopian stuff that the hippies were dealing out. You know, yeah. the, you know, this stuff is going to save us. This is going to transform humanity. He believed in interstellar, you know, travel. Well, you know, it, it is such a <laughs> 60s notion yeah. of serendipity that two of the original members of the band die on the same day. I love the quote from Ballin, who said he was imagining 
Kantner and Signy meeting up in heaven and saying, hey, let's start a band. <laughs> you know, and Jefferson Starship, that band gets a lot of stick. That was kind of the offshoot of the airplane. But in the early years of uh, Jefferson Starship, Kantner was exploring some of these utopian themes, these UFOs, you know, the whole idea of space travel. There was some really good stuff there in the early 70s from that Kantner-led project. But I'm going to highlight one of the tracks from After Bathing at Baxter's, the lead track on the album. It name-checks uh, two of Paul Kantner's main influences, A.A. A. Milne, the author of Winnie the Pooh, and the folk singer Fred Neal. And he called the song The Ballad of You and Me and Pooh Neal. It's from the Jefferson Airplane, as written by Paul Kantner on Sound Opinions. You were a bird and you lived very high. Ballad of You and Me and Puneel by the Jefferson Airplane on Sound Opinions in tribute to Paul Kantner, dead at the age of 74. Listening to Sound Opinions, and that, of course, is a little bit of Love Stinks. Greg, way back in 2006, our first Valentine's show on public radio, we took a, you know, a typical rock and roll Sound Opinions anti-love song stance on songs for the holiday, right? And we thought it was time to revisit that. We had some good picks back then. Go look it up in the soundopinions.org archive. Rolling Stones, Velvet, Undergrounds, Marianne, Faithful, Marvin Gaye. But we wanted to freshen it up, right? Because I figure... 
of all rock and pop songs are about love. Right. And another, At I think, least. 35, 40% are about the end of love. <laughs> right. And then there's some miscellaneous other topics, right? So you got a lot to choose from when it comes to a really great anti-love song. Yes, Jim. We're all about heartbreak here on Sound Opinions when it comes to Valentine's Day. When we decided to revisit this theme, the first song that immediately popped into my head was that CeeLo Green classic, and I think I can call it a classic. It's known by various names. Most people probably know it as Forget You or F You. Those are the cleaned up versions. There's also a third version out there that isn't appropriate for radio airplay. But this song was absolutely killer. It was a huge viral hit in uh, 2010, came out on the later Killer album later on that year, ended up selling 6 million copies, the single alone. So a lot of people could relate to this song. They yeah, they understood the sentiment. William Shatner even was up there on some talk show singing a cover version of it that's absolutely hilarious. You ought to find it on YouTube if you get a minute. What I love about this song is that it encapsulates what CeeLo Green, a.k.a. Thomas Calloway of Atlanta, Georgia, is all about. You know, his ability to evoke those Motown records and also the gospel music that he grew up with and give it a modern twist. This clearly has a modern twist to it. I mean, it's an angry song, but also a humorous song. He makes his anger sound effortless. He's self-deprecating about it, and I think that's what makes it so appealing, that he's not wallowing in it. He's almost making fun of it. He's almost making fun of the idea of a girl walking out on him and saying, okay, I'm a jerk. You're a jerk, too. You know, I'm letting all my emotions out. Somehow I'm going to get past this. There's a sense of light at the end of this tunnel. He's not going to wallow in it. Great song from CeeLo Green, Forget You, on Sound Opinions from 2010. See you driving around town with the girl I love and I like. Forget you. I guess the change in my pocket wasn't enough. I'm like, forget you and forget her, too, said if I
Forget You by CeeLo Green, a man who had the perfect words for the occasion uh, <laughs> at the end of a relationship. Right, Craig? Absolutely. You know, the first pick I'm going to go to is about not having the words or in being frustrated and getting them out. You know, Husker Du had a lot of great heartbreak songs. A weird thing to say about an art punk or hardcore punk band, a group that both you and I love very much. But on the first great studio album, Zen Arcade, that sprawling double album, epic concept album about a, a kid running away from a miserable, abusive home life, there's a folk song. Okay, mm. it's all of one minute and 41 seconds long. It comes from drummer Grant Hart. You know, the great story of Husker Du is the competition between Grant and guitarist Bob Mould. Grant always giving us the melodies, Bob giving us the intensity. Never that easily defined. They would go back and forth and back and forth. One thing when a relationship ends, when it's been an intense relationship, you feel like there are all these things you want to say and you didn't say them. And that's what this song by Grant is about. There are things I'd like to say, but I'm never talking to you again. Things that I'd like to phrase some way, but I'm never talking to you again. Except, of course, the irony is that he's talking about how he's not talking to this person that he used to love. It's amazing that Husker Du could be intense, even when it's just one voice, one guitar, and Bob is kind of howling in the background behind Grant. Mm. I just love that. Husker Du, never talking to you again on Sound Opinions. There are things that I'd like to say But I'm never talking to you again There's things I'd like to pray somewhere But I'm never talking to you again I'm never talking to you again I'm never talking to you I'm tired of wasting all my time Trying to talk to you Put you down where you belong But I'm never talking to you again I show you everywhere you're wrong But I'm never talking to you again I'm never talking to you again I'm never talking to you I'm tired of wasting all my time Trying to talk to you Talking to you I'm tired of wasting all my time trying to talk to you. Husker Du with Never Talking to You Again. Great song, great band when it comes to crushing heartbreak songs during the indie rock 80s. And I'm going to skip ahead a few years, Jim, to another band from the indie rock era, Material Issue, out of Chicago that uh, wrote many songs in a similar vein. Material Issue was one of those bands that specialized in three-minute pop singles. But there was always an air of uh, melancholy and turmoil around many of their songs. Jim Ellison, the main songwriter in the band, singer and guitarist, 
was the author of many of those lyrics. Jim died tragically, committed suicide in 1996, soon after a long-term relationship that he'd been in was broken off. There's no official word on the reasons for the death, but a lot of friends that I talked to afterwards said that, you know, Jim was one of those guys who took these relationships very seriously. And if you look back at his songs, all those sentiments were in there. And it's very hard to listen to a song like the one I'm playing next and not think about that, the very first lie. In this song, he's sort of fantasizing about the idea of having this relationship with another person that sort of grows and develops until the point where it starts to go south. You know, the whole idea of, I want to be the one who tells the very first lie because there's going to be another lie and then another. This whole idea of having this relationship that you and I could have this relationship until it hurts. And that's part of love. You know, you're, there are going to be hurtful moments in love. And Ellison anticipated in this song. It's a, you know, for a three-minute pop song, there's a lot of emotional depth. The very first lie from Material Issue on Sound Opinions. I like to wake up with you early in the morning. Or stay up late just playing records on your phonograph. I like to get to know your mother and your father. Maybe just once pretend to be somebody's better half tonight. Would like to. An anti-love song from Material Issue, The Very First Lie on Sound Opinions. When we come back, Greg, we'll hear some Love Stinks suggestions from some of our listeners. Then, an artist who's no stranger to the topic, Lucinda Williams. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. I'm through with love, I'll never fall again. Said adieu to love, don't ever call again. For I must have you or no one And so I'm through with love I've locked my heart I'll keep my feelings there I've stopped my heart With icy frigid air And I mean to care for no one Because I'm through with love Why did you lead me to think you could care? You didn't need me, you had your share Of slaves around you to hound you and sweat With deep emotion, devotion 
goodbye to spring and all it meant to me. It can never bring the thing that used to be. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Codd here with Jim DeRogatis. We're getting into the Valentine's Day spirit as only Sound Opinions can do it. Anti-love songs is what we're focusing on. We're kind of the Grinches of Valentine's Day. And Jim, we've got some folks on the line who want to join in on the fun with us. First up, we've got Ron. Ron, what's a song that says love stinks to you? Well, this was a tough one to come up with just one. And Blood on the Tracks always uh, oh, yeah. hit with me. Pick a song, Simple Twist of Fate, You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go, You're a Big Girl Now, Idiot Wind, <laughs> you can go on with it. And this, of course, Ron, is the Marriage Falling Apart album that Bob Dylan made. Yes, and I think he, he did a great job. You know, Dylan's lyrics have always been kind of, you're not really clear of what he's coming from. This one, it's right there. You're an idiot, babe. Just wonder how you still know how to breathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I know what you mean there, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then covering the emotions, I mean, with just the anger in Idiot Wind. You're absolutely right, the anger. I, you know, I mean, here is a piece of punk rock, and to prove it, I saw Patti Smith cover this song once, oh. and mm-hmm. she really did it justice. But this, is, of course, is the uh, Bob Dylan version on Sound Opinions, Idiot Wind. People see me all the time, and they just can't. Thank you so much, Ron. All right, thanks, thanks guys. Take care. We're talking to listeners who have suggestions about great anti-love songs. We got Claire on the line. Hey, Claire, what is your choice for a Love Stinks anthem? Well, it was kind of a tough choice for me because a lot of my favorite songs would fall into this category. But I had to go with, if I had to pick one, The Cure's Pictures of You. The Cure have a lot of a lot of good anti-love songs. Yes. In fact, pretty much probably half their catalog could fall <laughs> into this category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why Why pictures of you, though? Well, I think it just it kind of combines all the perfect elements for a good love hurt song. From the you know, minute and a half intro of music that's on the album version on Disintegration, I remember the first time I listened to it, I was reading the lyrics while listening to that intro and was already overwhelmed with emotion by the time he even started singing. Well, you are obviously a Cure fan, so you're going to know this and I'm not, but hasn't Smith been happily married for like 30 years? Yes, which is kind of odd that he's so good at writing these songs, <laughs> but he, he certainly is. And the other thing about this song, Claire, I think it seems like he's sad and melancholy, but he's not angry. It's not like he's right. uh, bitter about it. He's just like looking back very fondly on this relationship and wishes it, it could last some more. Indeed. Well, excellent choice, Claire. Thanks so much for phoning in. This is The Cure on Sound Opinions. Thanks. I've been looking so long. Pictures of 
Okay, let's go to Kate now. Hi, Kate. Welcome to Sound Opinions. What's your pick? Hi, I chose I'm Looking Through You by the Beatles. Oh, good one. All the greatest Beatles anti-love songs, of course, are, are from Lennon, aren't they? Most of them are, and I cho- one of my top five was, but this is a Paul. You'd think it was Lennon, but it's Paul. So for me, the lyrics are deceptively simple, but they really resonate with me in terms of being rejected in love. And then it's also about being like totally surprised or shocked by what someone close to you a change in them or something that they can do that you didn't think they were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Sort of that moment of clarity, and it's got to be a bitter moment, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, and I always took it as, you know, very 60s put down. I'm looking through you as in, you know, there's, there's just nothing to you. There's nothing there. I've just realized you're a hollow, empty person. <laughs> That's true. Transparent. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, this one goes out to someone uh, that you no longer love, Kate. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thanks, Kate. Kate. Thanks a lot. Bye. This is the Beatles, of course, on Sound Opinions. I'm looking through you. Some great suggestions from our listeners, Jim, and other people can nominate their favorite anti-love songs at 888-859-1800 or interact at soundopinions.org. Jim, let's get back to our lists. What's next for you? Well, Greg, when I was looking back at the, the picks we chose in 2006, I think we were very much coming from the perspective of guys. But the great Love Stinks songs of all time, I think, are blind to genre and blind to sexual orientation. I'm going to play a song by Pansy Division. Pansy Division were the proud leaders of the so-called queer core movement in the 1980s in San Francisco. John Ginoli started the band to give an alternative to the stereotype, he said, of gay men loving pop divas and show tunes. Why can't they play punk rock like the Buzzcocks and the Ramones? And really, Pansy Division, over the course of a long career, much of it for the famous Lookout punk pop label, deserve to be mentioned in in that company. They were that good. They were also very funny. But five albums into their career, 1998, on the absurd pop song Romance album, they kind of dropped some of the jokiness and got a little more serious. And one of the songs that I love is called Love, Love, Love. That's L-U-V, L-U-V, L-U-V. And this is this is kind of true. When you think about it, they're saying so many romantic dreams are merely bedroom schemes. It's such a nice ideal. Too bad it's rarely real. You know, but the chorus that comes around again and again, it's just absolutely killer. People talk about love, 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 love. And it sounds like blah, 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 which is <laughs> nine out of ten love songs. Right. And the punchline. It really means sex, 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 sex. I think there's a lot of truth there, and John Ginoli says it well. Here's Love, Love, Love by Pansy Division on Sound Opinions.
Love, Love, Love from Pansy Division. Jim DeRogatis' pick for a great anti-love song. My next choice is from an unlikely source, Jay-Z, addressing the topic of love in the heyday when he was the kingpin of New York City hip-hop. This is pre-Beyonce. You didn't expect a whole lot of vulnerability or, you know, lovey-dovey talk from Jay-Z. But he actually broaches the subject on this, what turned out to be a classic single called Song Cry, from what many consider his best album, The Blueprint, his sixth studio album released in 2001. This was produced by Just Blaze, and, you know, he gives him a very sumptuous, kind of lush backdrop in which to emote his feelings. Here we go, Jay-Z. You know, tell us what you really think. This is sort of a meta rap song, because he's talking about the idea that is love even an emotion that a street character, like the one that he's playing on these records, a rapper, can even allow himself to feel? You're exposing yourself. You are leaving yourself open. By creating this vulnerability, you're showing weakness. A man is not supposed to show weakness, you know, on the streets of New York. You could get killed for that. And, and this was kind of a subtext of a lot of hardcore hip-hop for decades. And Jay-Z is addressing that topic fairly directly in this song. So he's, he's pretty much putting the blame on a failure for a relationship on his own infidelity but he's also lamenting the fact that maybe he can't allow himself to love. So the whole question of love is is thrown up for grabs here in this particular song. Jay-Z with Song Cry on Sound Opinions. I can't see him coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. I can't see him coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. Good dude, I know you love me like cook food, even though it's... Gotta move like a crook move We was together on the block since free lunch We should have been together having four seasons brunch We used to use umbrellas to face the bad weather So now we travel first class to change the forecast Never in bunches, just me and you I loved your point of view cause you held no punches Still I left you for months on end It's been months since I checked back in We're somewhere in a small town Somewhere locking them all down Wood grain, foreign change, armor all down I can understand why you want a divorce now Though I can't let you know it Pride won't let me show it Pretend to be heroic That's just one to grow it But deep inside it, so sick I can't see him coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry I can't see him coming down my eyes So I gotta let the song cry I can't see it coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry can't see it coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. On repeat, the CD of Biggs, me and my b- watching Barney and Clyde pretending to be that empty gun in your hand, saying, Let me see that clip. Shopping sprees, pull out your visa quick. <laughs> Had very bad credit, you helped me lease that whip. You helped me get the keys to that V.6. We were so happy, Paul, but when we got rich, just when the signals got crossed and we got flipped. Song Cry by Jay-Z, well before Bay on Sound Opinions. Good one, Greg. I'm going to give the ladies some now. I think we have to go to Joan Jett for I Hate Myself for Loving You, one of her biggest hits. It's all right there in the title. 
And the way that she sings it, it's, it's such a happy song. It's such a wonderful piece of bubblegum pop punk. It's almost celebratory right. that she's singing She Hates Herself. You know, Joan Jett, I think, one of the great second careers in rock history, you know, introduces herself as part of the Runaways. They break all that ground as a female, all-female rock group. And then she's instrumental in the punk years. This is her sixth studio solo album. And uh, she's got some great guests on this song, too. Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones stops by. But really, it's all about, I hate myself for loving you. I can't break free from the things that you do. I want to walk, but I run right back to you. That's why I hate myself for loving you. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts from 1988 on Sound Opinions. I hate myself for loving you. <laughs> Words to live by from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. But you got to love Joan Jett, Jim. When we come back on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll finish up our anti-love song suggestions and we'll review the recent effort from singer-songwriter Lucinda Williams. But first, we want to hear from you. Nominate your Valentine's suggestion on the air at 888-859-1800 or connect to us on Facebook and Twitter.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We both better hope that the loves of our life uh, have not been listening to this at home this week, Greg. You know, that just struck me as we were doing our anti-love songs. You're up next. What do you got? Thanks, Jim. I want to talk a little bit about the Swedish singer Robin, otherwise known as Robin Carlson, who has made a number of terrific records over the last decade. And this one may be my favorite, Dancing on My Own. You know, she's a big fan of disco, and I'm also a big fan of disco, Chicago house music. I think a lot of people who aren't particularly familiar with those genres associated with kind of upbeat, frivolous music, but not true at all, because there's a lot of melancholy in some of the greatest disco songs. I know that she was heavily influenced by people like Bronski Beat, for example, which was doing sort of a UK take on it, something like Small Town Boy. Mm. But you go back to something like Sylvester or Donna Summer or Gloria Gaynor, there, there was real heartbreak and real melancholy and devastation in a lot of those disco anthems. And she was kind of referencing that when she wrote this particular song. And this is her talking about being at a disco, seeing her ex with somebody else on the dance floor. I'm giving it my all, but I'm not the girl you're taking home. You know, all this anger and emotion is coming out in the middle of what should be a celebratory atmosphere. You know, that sort of yin-yang aspect of the greatest uh, disco anthems is right in this song. Dancing on my own from Robin on Sound Opinions. That is Robin with Dancing on My Own on Sound Opinions. Jim, you've got the last anti-love song pick of the day. What's it going to be? Well, Greg, I knew this was a good one when we were comparing notes before the show and all the producers and you retched uh, when I said I was going to play Phil Collins. I am going to make the case, though, for In the Air Tonight, a huge song from Phil's first solo album, Face Value, in 1981. Now, look, you know, I mean, Phil Collins has become sort of a cheesebow popster. But for the first eight years in Genesis, when he was the drummer and then he stepped up to fill in for Peter Gabriel, when Gabriel left, he was phenomenal. And Genesis, with him as lead vocalist, had just experienced the biggest commercial success with the album, and then there were three. And Phil comes home to celebrate, and his wife had taken everything. The house oh, is empty. 
All that's left is his uh, equipment in the basement. And this leads to a very ugly divorce in 79. Phil was so broken up by this that uh, he took a sabbatical from Genesis and uh, basically just sat in that basement until he did what most musicians do. They began to make some noise. I don't think he ever anticipated at first that this would be a solo album. It sort of slowly turned into that. And he began working with the producer, Hugh Padham. Collins had played, I'm sorry, no way around it, with Brian Eno. Uh, he had played mm. drums on some of Eno's solo albums, and he was fascinated with, with what he said Eno could do to create a mood with almost no ingredients in, in a very short span of like two minutes. What's fascinating about this are two things. You know, the lyrics are just absolutely brutal and vicious and when you think this is the guy from like Susu Studio you know mm. he's singing if you told me you were drowning I would not lend a hand <laughs> I know where you've been wipe off that grin it's all a pack of lies oh my god right? <laughs> and then there's the sound there's this horrible cheesy drum machine is pretty much all the first half of the song is along with his vocals and then one of the greatest drum fills of all yeah. time like his big drums come thundering in and there's been a lot of discussion about the way that was recorded it was actually over the talkback mic in the recording studio and that's set a whole trend because Gabriel on his solo albums Eno later a lot of people imitated that drum sound this massive gated reverb drum sound I just love it you know I'm sorry I, I will not apologize for liking oh, I, I like Phil this Collins. song this is a good song it's a good song yeah. Right. If you think you don't like Phil Collins, look, do me a favor. Just listen to this song with fresh ears. Give it a try. In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins on Sound Opinions. Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord.
In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins on Sound Opinions. I think it is a great anti-love song when you're feeling like love stinks. We want to know what you love when you think love stinks. Share your thoughts with Sound Opinions. Call us on the hotline, 888-859-1800. And you can visit all of our picks and our first Love Stinks show way back when at soundopinions.org. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is the title track of a new double album from Lucinda Williams, The Ghosts of Highway 20. Greg Highway 20 uh, connects Florida and Williams' native Louisiana. She was born there in Lake Charles. Her father was a pretty famous poet. Miller Williams introduced her to the love of poetry and lyricism, as well as to Delta Blues and Hank Williams. 74, she moves to Austin, Texas, part of a serious circle of singer-songwriters, Steve Earle, Jim Lauderdale, but really doesn't break uh, big until the early 90s when she writes the song Passionate Kisses, not a hit for her, but a hit for Mary Chapin Carpenter. Then, with Car Wheels on a Gravel Road in 1998, produced by Rick Rubin, she finally broaches the mainstream. Has been a beloved voice of fans of smart singer-songwriters ever since. Not really prolific for many years. It could famously take her a couple of years to work on one song. She's a notorious perfectionist. But she's in the midst right now of this late career renaissance and incredible for her period of uh, of productivity, working with Tim Oberby, guitarist Bill Frizzell, uh, the pedal steel player Greg Lees. She's given us two albums in the last two years. We reviewed and were quite fond of 2014's Down Where the Spirit Meets the Bone. Now we have The Ghosts of Highway 20. Again, 14 songs, a double album. We'll give our opinions about it in a minute, but first we're going to play a song. This is called Doors of Heaven by Lucinda Williams on Sound Opinions. I try to live my life in Rogers way. I try to do my best from day to day. But no matter how hard I try, it seems all I up and up the doors of heaven let me Someone told me there's a better place than this Where I can go and see my mother's kids A place so full of love Somewhere up above So up and up
That is Doors of Heaven from the new Lucinda Williams album, The Ghosts of Highway 20. What an album, Jim. A long one. 14 songs. 11 of the 14 tracks are more than five minutes long. Several stretch well past that mark even. It's a travelogue. It's an autobiography. It's part dreamlike meditation about all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that's gone through her life. There's this whole idea here that you can leave the South, but the South never leaves you. And it becomes very apparent here in this Lucinda Williams album. The rundown motels and faded billboards, she tells us. My initial reaction to this record was, you know, a little bit too long. She could stand to cut a few tracks away. But I got to tell you, what really sucked me in, Jim, was the instrumentation on this record. I think it was really a uh, masterstroke to bring in not only Greg Lease, you mentioned him, but Bill Frizzell. And their guitars create this really haunted atmosphere throughout mm. the record. You can practically feel and see the mist rising up out of the cotton fields in the South when you hear those guitars sort of melding and her voice over the top of it. It's not a happy album, but I wouldn't say it's a depressing album either. She's talking about these issues that she's had in her life and how she got through some of them and and how some of them really still linger in her subconscious uh, all these years later. You can't really get over it. In many ways, it's it's more challenging album than Down Where the Spirit Meets the Bone, which I thought was a masterpiece. Yeah, we both love that, that record from a couple years ago, but it's pretty darn good. I, I would cut a, two or three tracks, but I got to say, overall, it's a buy it record for me. Yeah, it's a buy it for me too, Greg. I love the kind of psychedelic aspect that Greg Lees' pedal steel brings. The longer tracks don't bother me because they have this swampy, yeah. atmospheric, almost Daniel Lanois kind mm-hmm. of vibe to them. And I was uh, Lucinda skeptic for a long time, uh, you know, up to and including Gravel Road. These last two albums, though, have made me a true, true believer. I think what's at the end of Highway 20 is the inevitable. It's death. And it is not a dread or a loathing. It's an acceptance. Wow. It's hard to think of another artist. Maybe Dylan really Mm. was the only one through the 90s and into the early new uh, century that has had a 50 plus years sort of renaissance like this one. She's on a red hot streak. So an enthusiastic double buy it. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, uh, speaking of enthusiasm, we've got one of the best bands in America on our show, Los Lobos. It's time for us to give our valentine to the producers, Greg, Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gorman. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. This is Peter in El Cerrito, California. I just finished listening to your dissection of uh, Patti Smith's Horses. It was a very, very strange album dissection. I think you blew it pretty heavily in a few places. I think Patti Smith, especially on that record, Horses, she is just sort of like the worst tendencies of what you might say David Bowie's career was in a lot of ways. Synthesizing other things, not really adding anything particularly original to them, and being so incredibly self-important and pretentious about it at the same time, to me, does not make for a great artist. There's something that just doesn't sit right with her with me, and it never has. And the way you address the record in a pretty negative context kind of tells me that you're not sure what you're looking at either. And I don't think that's challenging art. I actually think it's thin. I think you kind of drank the Kool-Aid on Patti Smith on a certain level. 
That was my feeling listening to this. I just felt like I had to say this. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. My name is Reed. I'm calling from Chicago, and I just finished hearing your dissection of horses. Uh, I saw Patty and Lenny in um, the Aragon Ballroom somewhere in the 70s, mid-70s, and I was right at her feet, and it was one of the high moments of my life. Uh, that high moment lasted all the way until I turned 30, and then I put down uh, what I was smoking, But and it's been down ever since, but thanks. But I don't care. Hi, Greg and Jim. This is Joe from Portage, Indiana, calling about your tributes to Lemmy Kilmister and Phil Taylor from Motorhead, who both recently passed away. My favorite Motorhead memory was back in 1981 when I was 13 years old, and I got to see Motorhead on their first U.S. tour opening for Ozzy Osbourne. I had never heard of Motorhead, but when they hit the stage, I was immediately blown away. Not only was it extremely loud, but it was like the heaviness and power of metal mixed with the speed and aggression of punk and the boogie and swagger of old-school rock and roll pioneers like Chuck Berry, Elvis, and Jerry Lee Lewis all rolled into one. And seeing Lemmy attacking his bass like a rhythm guitar with that buzzsaw tone and Filthy Animal Taylor slamming his high-speed double-kick drums was an epiphany for me. It made me want to actually play music instead of just listening to it. And that following fall, joined the school band learned to play drums and bass guitar, among other things. So for that, I will be eternally grateful to Motorhead. So rest in peace, Lemmy. Rest in peace, Phil. And thanks, Jim and Greg, for helping me stay on top of what's going on in the music world. Uh, keep up the good work. Hi, Jim and Greg. My name is Sean, and I'm calling you from Minneapolis, and I just got done listening to your episode with Shamir. It was great, but I couldn't help but notice how little you two said about the passing of Glenn Fry from the Eagles. To not acknowledge the presence of one of the great musicians of that Southern California, Lower Canyon scene is just another example of the arrogance of rock and roll journalism. I think that you guys should come down from your rock and roll high pedestal and just acknowledge the presence of great musicians. Whether or not you like the Eagles is irrelevant. Keep up the great work. Look forward to hearing the next episode. Thanks. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.